When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this is our terrestrial quarantine room that's specific for penguins. So we had two, whenever we get a new animal, they'll go through a standard 30-day quarantine period to make sure they're healthy. So this is Stanley's chick. She's the one we're looking for. That's the name. Yeah, we don't know yet. So that's the sound the chicks will make. She's begging. Can I get like 15 seconds of just the penguin sounds? Thank you. Hello, Heather Knight. You just heard the plaintive cries of two penguin chicks at the Cal Academy of Sciences in San Francisco, and they were adorable. They were. We've had dogs on our podcast before, but these were definitely the first penguin guests. And it's good timing because who knew today is Penguin Awareness Day. So happy Penguin Awareness Day to all who celebrate. Happy Penguin Awareness Day. Uh, The penguin babies were just one stop on our tour with Cal Academy biologist Holly Rosenblum, who took us behind the scenes We were in the exhibition, sitting in their habitat at the Cal Academy of Sciences. I'm sure the people standing there were just waiting for us to get fed a fish. Uh, (laughs) It was a surreal experience. It was very strange being part of the exhibit. Um, If you were there on Tuesday and were wondering why there were a couple of weird podcasters among the penguins, (laughs) that was us. Do you think anybody asked for their money back, Heather? (laughs) (laughs) I hope not, but I wouldn't blame them if they did. Yeah, well, Holly was a great guest. I love that there's a secret penguin Illuminati that meets to figure out how to breed the penguins and get more penguins. It's an endangered species. Yeah, they're like penguin matchmakers, and they have these big meetings to figure out which penguin to match with with which other penguin. It's like kind of like a reality TV show. Yeah, we also learned about penguin air travel, the details around transporting a penguin around the world, which happens a lot. And we got to see a whole network of secret tunnels and ladders and fish chopping stations behind the scenes at the Cal Academy. And this is a good time to make an announcement. March is going to be Animal Month on Total SF. This is our second themed month after Transit Month in September, which went so well. It was our best month ever, so we're going to try again. And March will include a special treat. We're going to have a contest to name the official animal of San Francisco. Penguins, of course, will be among the contenders. We're going to make a bracket, kind of like March Madness animal style, and we need your help with nominations. We're looking for 8 to 16 animals in San Francisco. These can be like individual animals or they can be a group like the penguins at the Academy or the wild parrots of Telegraph Hill. Think along those lines. So give us a call on our Total SF party line to nominate an animal for March's Animal Month. Yeah, that's 415-777-7413. Leave a message. And I'm excited about this. Um... I have a lot of nominations myself, but I'm curious what people are going to say. Yeah, it's going to be super fun. Everybody knows there's more dogs in San Francisco than children, (laughs) so we're a bunch of animal lovers here, and we want to hear what you think. 
Looking forward to it. I'm Peter Hartlop here with Heather Knight. Our public feeding time is 11, 2.30, and 4.15, and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Welcome to Total SF, and uh, happy Penguin Awareness Day. Uh, We're recording a few days before the holiday. How do you plan to celebrate? Um, Well, usually I'm doing uh, some version of the same thing every day, which is taking care of our our colony of of African penguins here at the Academy. Um, So just spending lots of time with them and hopefully sharing their stories with our guests. Um, They require a lot of time and attention, and that's where I prefer to spend most of my days. Is this another one of those like hallmark invented holidays or (laughs) is there a scientific reason we should be thinking about penguins once a year? Yeah, um, we should be thinking about them a lot more. Uh, They, uh, there's several species that are critically endangered and they need our help and they need us to share their stories. So um, whether it's a, a hallmark holiday or a program on Netflix, anything we can do to Um, bring people's attention to not only the problems they face, but just the really interesting, cool, dynamic creatures that they are. Well, we just got an awesome tour of the, you know, backstage with the penguins, and I learned so much just on that tour. Um, And they are so cute. They're cuter up close. Yeah, I love the way they waddle, and you were giving them little toys to play with, and we got to go in the penguin enclosure, so... If anybody came to the Academy on Tuesday and was wondering why <laughs> Peter and I were standing with the penguins, this is why. With recording equipment, <laughs> like recording a penguin. Well, we'll talk um, about the colony's new additions in a minute, but wanted to know, have you always wanted to work with penguins? How did you get this job, and how long have you had it? Um, no, I never thought I would be working with penguins. Um, I've been working, volunteering, visiting places like the Academy since I was, including the Academy since I was very little. Um, And I came here actually in an education position as a presenter in 2008, right after we started. And over time, um, really just generally love the Academy because it's got its fingers in so many different pockets and it's all these kind of areas that I've worked with that are usually separated. Um, but kind of smushed into one building, which is really cool. Gives us a lot of interesting opportunities to do new new things. Um, but I was finding myself being drawn to the other side of the window um, and actually started volunteering for a friend of mine who was working in the, um, in the rainforest as a biologist at the time, he's my mentor. And um, after a while, they started paying me to do that um, and have uh, been responsible for a variety of, of different um, creatures within within the academy um, and uh, 10 years later I'm the lead for the penguin habitat. <laughs> That's so cool. Do people when you say at a party what your job is are people fascinated? Yeah usually. <laughs> um, it, takes a, it takes a minute or two to explain what I yeah. do um, but yeah people usually have lots of questions usually very interested um, usually want to share a story or something about what they've experienced with penguins either a program or a zoo. I bet there are a lot of people, probably men, who still are like, oh, you're in penguins. 
I'm in sales. And then just start telling you all about your job. And that's how I feel as a journalist. I'm like, I my job merits several follow-up questions. <laughs> but I have had those occasions where I say what I do, and then men are like, oh, yeah, I had a high school internship at my <laughs> local paper. Let me tell you all about it. So what's your average day like? Ooh, um, well, the cool thing is that while there's a structure to the day that is more or less the same. Uh, there still are always surprises. Something different is always going on. But generally speaking, uh, the first thing I need to do is check on everybody, make sure they're, they're healthy. We just call them our AM health checks. Um, so just counting everybody, looking at everybody. Are you walking right? Um, no scratches, no fighting overnight or anything like that. Um, I check all the nest boxes too in the habitat because we've had a few birds that like to collect the sea stars as nesting material. So if I need to you know, rescue a sea star, that's important. Um, and then uh, the cleaning begins. Uh, the guests don't have the privilege of uh, smelling the birds on the other side of the window, uh, but fish-eating birds are, uh, uh, produce quite a lot of waste. So I spend a lot of my time hosing, scrubbing the rocks, um, cleaning out those nest boxes where they do lay their eggs, where they like to collect all that nesting material we were giving them. Um, and, uh, uh, Getting them to leave so I can clean for a minute is always challenging. They don't want to give up space up. Um, and then it might also include caring for some other animals in the collection. A lot of the things in the rainforest, um, the macaws, um, I help train as well. Um, and then in the afternoons, kind of a repeat. <laughs> Doing the morning feeding program um, where we uh, chat with the presenters and answer some guest questions as well. So it's probably the, the broad outline of my day is feeding and cleaning. <laughs> cool. I, I love the nest boxes because we walked in the back of the penguin habitat and there are all these little black boxes that um, I figured out what it reminded me of when you're like backstage at a Bon Jovi concert and the boxes <laughs> that all the roadies bring in with like the guitars and stuff black boxes with stencils on them. It was like that, except when you lifted it up, there was like this little <laughs> penguin there was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> um, so there are different kinds of penguins. Going with my pop culture knowledge here, I'm not a scientist. These seem more like the penguins of Madagascar penguins than the Happy Feet or Pingu penguins. What kinds of penguins are these? Um, and when when they arrive here? Um, so these are African penguins, so they're native to South Africa and Namibia, so people are usually pretty surprised by that because um, I'd say in the, in the penguin world, a lot of the PR has gone to the Antarctic birds, right, the happy feet kind of guys. Um, they're, they have a lot of really cool extreme behavior, so that's probably why they get um, a lot of the press, but I think that's starting to change for some of the other guys. Madagascar probably helped. Uh -huh. um, so they're definitely adapted to a much warmer climate, which makes life a little easier on me because I can just go in in a t-shirt and jeans and be just fine. Out of the variety of penguins, though, there's a lot of diversity when it comes to the different habitats. So all the way from Antarctica to New Zealand, Australia, Africa, uh, South America, and all the way up to the Galapagos. I don't remember them when I was a kid. I remember a manatee. There were, I think there were dolphins, not porpoises. Um, I remember a great white shark for a few days at least. Yeah. I don't remember the penguins until later. Do you know when they got here and, and what kind of makes the penguin a good, um, a good species to have here? Yeah, I uh, believe it was in the early 80s uh, that they first made their arrival at the academy. There's a photo of one of them with the Dalai Lama. <laughs> uh, 
which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think you're the only one to have that, um, to have that kind of feeling or sense that they yeah. don't quite remember them from, from way back. Um, they are, um, well, one, it's, it's a little easier to maintain their habitat since it doesn't have to be extremely cold, right? That takes a lot of, a lot of extra infrastructure. Um, but we, we really want to tell their story because the African penguins in particular are critically endangered. Habitat loss, nesting space loss, overfishing, oil spills um, are all contributing to a massive decline from about a million birds a century ago to maybe around 10 to 13,000 breeding pairs today. Mm. Wow. And you mentioned during the tour that um, the penguins are kind of rotating in and out to some <laughs> degree because of breeding? Yeah, so there can be movement within the colony at, at any time for a variety of reasons. Um, so there's the space that you see when you come and visit with the great pool and the nest boxes and the rocks. Um, but for a variety of reasons, we may have to remove birds. So um, if they have medical treatment that maybe they we don't want them um, mixing with the other birds for injury or illness, um, we can we can keep them separate. Although they always come with a buddy because they're a colonial species and they they like to be with their friends. Um, when we have chicks, which we have two right now, um, they will be removed after a few weeks. If their parents are doing a great job of taking care of them, we'll keep them with them as long as possible. But when they're the little cute fluff balls, uh, they can't swim. So we don't want them accidentally toddling out and getting in the water. So we pull them back of house, and that's when we get to uh, we get to do all the cuddles, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we um, give them lots of fish, get them used to eating uh, bigger and bigger pieces of fish. Um, sometimes they're still on formula, so we'll have to tube feed them. Uh, James, who you met in the commissary, has the lovely job of uh, making a fish shake for them every day. Slightly different use for your blender. Have you tried it? Uh, I have not. The (laughs) smell of it is so... um, It's it's always a really busy time, and I I smelled a lot of it when I was uh, volunteering at Sandcob with the Academy at the uh, rescue bird rescue in South Africa, that the smell kind of brings back, like... Um, noisy birds and really busy so it's funny how there's such like an attachment of that smell so no I don't want to definitely that could be like a fear factor challenge drink (laughs) this fish milkshake yeah I bet somebody would do it (laughs) and I noticed they all wear like little wristbands like they went to the club last night Uh, is that just for identification yeah I love that uh, analogy that's probably the most interesting one we've got we'll get wristwatches or bracelets things like that but I like the club wristband that's better um, they're identifiers. So for flying birds, we might use um, leg bands, um, but for for the penguins, uh, the, the the nightclub band is much um, much easier. It's just a little little plastic piece, um, and I'll take it off when they start molting because they'll swell up, so we can remove it really easily. Um, so all the males are banded on the right, females on the left, and then the matching colors are made in pairs. Hmm. Um, they do all look really different. The more time you spend with them, the more you notice that. But we've got a lot of people moving in and out, volunteers who help us, and you always want to make sure you're looking at the right bird. Yeah. We'll be right back after this short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. You have two new baby chicks. Did they hatch here? They did. So one chick came from our um, last bird to hatch here, Stanley and uh, Bernie, who came from Tulsa. Um, so she hatched at the beginning of November. Um, she doesn't have a name yet. That's, uh, I think, to be announced this week through a contest. Ooh. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what that is. Um, so she's uh, a few months old, and she's lost almost all of her fluff. She's pretty much full size. Um, Stanley um, did a great job of raising her first chicks. Um, and then this one actually was also fostered by another pair that had laid recently. Just needed a little extra help because she's a new mom figuring things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our second chick came from Poppy and Darcy, um, who've uh, not quite got the finer parts of parenthood down. They're learning. <laughs> we still want them to learn. We still want to give them lots of tries. But um, this one went in the incubator. Her name's Ozzy. Um, and as I told you guys before, she had a, she had a little bit of a harder time because her eggshell was really thick and we were concerned about the, uh, how that would impact her hatching ability. So we, we kind of tried to file it down, which helped a little, but we had to keep an extra special eye on her while she was hatching. Mm-hmm. Um, so she got a little extra attention in the hospital and a whole team of people around just tiny, tiny little pieces of eggshell removing Aww. it very slowly until she could get out on her own. Wow. What's the ratio of male to female penguins? Um, well, aside from the two chicks right now, it's, um, what are we at, 16 birds? No, 14 birds. I can't count anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, 14 birds, so we have seven males and seven females. Uh-huh. Um, African penguins do form really strong bonds um, with a mate. Um, so it's, uh, we, we, we pretty much always want to keep them in a pair. Tux took a little while to bond with another bird. So he was a single guy for a little while. Um, he got pretty territorial about his space um, because he was defending it on his own. Um, but he seems to have taken really well to Parker, who actually went to San Diego Zoo and then came back. Yeah. And she was named in honor of the uh, anniversary of Golden Gate Park a few years ago. Oh, cool. Yeah. Is the breeding program very controlled, or are the penguins allowed to Netflix and chill if they want to experiment? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's pretty well controlled. There are, um, basically, we, we get together as a big group uh, big big penguin meeting every few years uh, for African <laughs> penguins through the species survival plan through the AZA um, and uh, I think those that group just generally likes hanging out with each other too <laughs> um, so they'll meet and work with a, a population geneticist who looks at the whole population and makes sure that we don't have any inbreeding issues because we want a really diverse population so that it stays healthy. This is basically a safety net population because we are really worried about extinction Mm -hmm. in South Africa. So it's critical that we do this work. Um, So they will make those recommendations, um, which usually if it's an established couple, for the most part, they're keeping them together. Um, But if they've been really prolific, if they're well represented, (laughs) um, or maybe if they haven't been successful, then we might send them off to another facility. Birds are kind of moving around the country uh, quite often. We're booking the same flights you guys are to, to put our birds on to get them from place to place. How, how does that work? You really you, book the same flights 
we would. Yeah, I mean, they're not in the seat next to you, right? <laughs> I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. So um, I go to the same place that you would take your dog or cat. Um, I know Delta and United Cargo pretty well. Um, so for Do taking, you fly with them? No. So we can, it's, it's a, for, for our guys, they can travel pretty easily in, in a crate just like your dog would. Um, and we have to make sure temperatures are appropriate and we're booking things on our end and coordinating with whoever's receiving them so that we're right there to pick them up as soon as, as soon as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Um, and they do pretty well. I hope they're not taking Southwest. (laughs) I I saw those bags there and if there was a penguin there. Yeah. I think the the rest of this podcast could be just penguin flight questions. (laughs) Do they prefer the aisle seat? Yeah. (laughs) Well, the irony too of flying penguins. (laughs) Is there a social hierarchy? Are the penguins cliquish or like there's somebody in charge, you know, the mean girls? Yeah, uh, probably. Um, It's not a very strict social hierarchy um, or dynamic, like say a pride of lions, right? But there are definitely couples that are more dominant um, and everybody will uh, kind of fight over certain nest boxes. There seems to be certain spots that just appear to be prime real estate. I don't always understand why, because what looks like a good nest box to me apparently isn't to them. Hmm. And uh, so sometimes you'll see some some fighting over that, which is natural. It's what they would be doing in South Africa. Sometimes you just got to let it take its course. It can look pretty dramatic. They're very cute, cuddly looking birds, but they actually are pretty scrappy. They've got a lot of attitude. There was um, a fight at the end of our visit. There was, somebody was sticking her head in a box that didn't belong to her, wow. trying to steal some nesting material. So she was told off pretty immediately by the <laughs> owner of that nest box. Um, so yeah, you'll see the more dominant birds maybe trying to push out other birds out of nest boxes that they want um, and really being um, pretty rigid about allowing space. Their, their little bubble. They like to be in colonies, but they kind of want to be close, but not too close. Hmm. They're good at the social distancing. <laughs> Uh, we saw during the pandemic the yoga sessions that were going on <laughs> in front of the penguin habitat. Um, do, did they miss people while they were gone? And, and I was surprised, you know, when Heather and I went in there that I, I almost thought it might be a, a mirror or something. They can see the people. Do they notice the people? Do they like the people? Um, well, I can't ask them specifically if they miss them or like them in particular, but it, it does create a dynamic environment. And what we found... Um, right after um, the museum closed is that they kind of didn't know when they were, I wouldn't say they didn't know, but they weren't cued as to when feeding was about to happen because the presenters will always get on the microphone and ask people to move back so that they have a better view into the habitat. Um, And people moving back away from the window seems to be a really (laughs) important cue for them. And with that gone, it actually took them a little while to kind of realize, oh, it was feeding time. Mm. It, it didn't take very long. They came right over within a few days. Um, and then when people started coming back, they were a little more interested. Um, so I think it depends on the person who's outside. Like I mentioned before, the little flashy lights on shoes, I think, seem to be popular. And it depends on the bird and what they're interested in, right? Some, some, just like some people are more gregarious or curious, same with them. Cool. Well, you survived our very serious penguin question, and now it's time for the lightning round. Um, are the penguins the coolest animal at the Academy of Sciences? Yes. Don't tell Claude. <laughs> what is your favorite depiction of penguins in pop culture? Ooh, um, I really liked Penguin Town on Netflix. Patton Oswald narrated it, and um, I thought the stories were great, and he kind of showed just how dynamic they are. Hmm. 
Madagascar is pretty funny too. I actually like that scene a lot where they wind up in Antarctica in the first one and it's snowing and they're like, this sucks. <laughs> it was probably one of my favorite things. Why do penguins waddle? Um, so penguins do also have knees, which is a common question. Um, they actually, if you look at an x-ray, they look like they're sitting in a chair, kind of like we are now. Their knees are bent out in front. Mm. So it's basically like you were sitting in this chair and then you took like a long tight skirt over it down to your ankles and then tried to walk. Wow. Um, so that's that you, you tend to see in birds that are, this isn't very lightning, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um, uh, <laughs> like ducks and geese, their, their feet are more towards the back of their body. So that kind of tells you something about how they're living their life. They're fully aquatic. So penguins are all the way at the back of their feet and then they stand up. Um, so that's just because they're really well adapted to, to moving around in the ocean, but they still got to get around on land. What is one fact about penguins that listeners would be surprised by? Ooh, I think people are really surprised to hear how aggressive they can be because they're the stuffed animals and they're happy feet, again, mm -hmm. really fluffy and cuddly looking. Um, but they give us a run for our money. Um, they, uh, they will fight back with each other. They can use their wings to slap each other. So they are small but mighty. When you get together with other penguin um, uh, you know, habitat specialists, scientists, biologists, <laughs> Is it like that scene in Jaws where everybody's showing the scars from the sharks? <laughs> you know, do, do you have any? Yeah, um, we, you can kind of tell who's right or left-handed uh, in how they feed because <laughs> of the scars on that arm. So we'll, we'll definitely come in um, when, we're, when people from the weekend are coming in because we kind of work split shifts, so we cover the full week. Um, we'll be like, oh, I got this bad one from Darcy today, or, you know, Kianga really got me here when I was trying to give her her eye drops. So there is a lot of battle wound uh, comparison. <laughs> um, just about exactly 20 years ago, the penguins at the San Francisco Zoo made national headlines for swimming in circles for weeks as if they were migrating, but they weren't going anywhere. Has there ever been really bizarre behavior among the Academy of Sciences penguins? Yeah, actually, that was an example that we kind of talked about recently. Um, those are uh, Magellanic penguins, and they actually are migratory. Um, but Bernie, who's Stanley, Stanley's mate, um, when he arrived, he had a little harder time fitting in with the, within the group. Stanley was still on the younger side, and they did not take to each other at all. We thought Stanley was just going to be attached to our hip for life, and that was it. <laughs> um, and he was um, kind of swimming at the window a lot, um, and that kind of came up, that um, example at the zoo. Like, did he think he was migrating? African penguins aren't migratory, but they can swim very far to get fish. Um, so there was a lot of discussion. We talked to people at other facilities. That AZA network that we have is really wonderful because if anybody has some kind of weird thing or new observation um, or maybe cool technique, we can reach out to the broader community and ask questions and ask for help. Um, so nobody quite knew what was going on. Um, I actually used a new software called Zoo Monitor um, it's an app on an iPad, basically, that I could use to document his behavior. And over time, I was actually able to see that he was doing it less. Um, he'll stu still do it every once in a while, but it's not the bulk of his time. And then kind of Stanley hit about uh, three and a half years old, and she decided she liked guys. <laughs> um, and then they, they hooked up, and now we have a chick from them. So <laughs> it all worked out. Just took him some time to get used to his new digs. Nice. We're thinking about organizing a contest to see which San Francisco animal should be named the official animal of the city. Who do you think should win? 
Ooh, species or an individual penguin? Species. Uh, species. Oh no, isn't it like the animal like Claude the alligator, the peng or the seagulls at Oracle Park? I think it'll be a mix. The like, bison. You're going to be going against the sea lions at Pier 39. Oh, okay. Yeah, their, their marketing team's going to get behind that. Wow, that's rough. <laughs> um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put up um, Dunker, our male African penguin. Um, he's named after our veterinarian. Um, and he, like I was telling you, he's a really sweet, lovable bird. He's usually our biggest bird. He will uh, mow me down and climb up my face to get to a herring. <laughs> That's um, dedication. Yeah, so I, I empathize a lot with him because I have a love of ice cream, and I would probably do the same to someone if they're holding <laughs> ice cream on their head. Um, but he's a really sweet, lovable bird. But like I said, when he gets a chick um, or a, an egg, he gets really defensive and protective over his nest box and his mate Kianga, and he's a really good mate um, and takes care of them really well. And it's just really cool to see him immediately take to a chick. Plus he's fostered a lot of chicks as well. Um, so even though he hasn't had any of his own, he's helped to raise a whole lot of chicks. Oh, great, well thank you for all this penguin knowledge. It was a lot of fun. Great, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our music today is from the Sunset Shipwrecks, Castro organ player David Hegarty, and cable car bell ringing from eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod.